It's 30 Girl Thursday. What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Keisha Joe, and you are tuned in to another episode of the 30 Girl Podcast. Calling all queens. It's time we live out our dreams. It's the year to 30, girl, the year to 30. Getting financially free and we healing and hurting. It's the year to 30, girl, the year to 30. Loving me and all my queens cause we know we are worthy It's the year to 30 girl, the year to 30 Getting financially free and we healing the hurting It's the year to 30 girl, the year to 30 Loving me and my queens because we know we are worthy Love yourself There ain't no one else Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the 30 Girl Podcast. I have here with me the money hacking mama. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. So go ahead and introduce yourself and let the listeners know who you are. So I'm Rachel from moneyhackingmama.com. And I am, let's see, a wife, a mom. I work full time in higher education. And I am a huge money nerd. (laughs) Yes. And when I say huge money nerd, her family's net worth is 600, close to 650k. So Mm -hmm. I do want you to, um, you know, spill the beans, let us all know what we need to do to become a money hacking mamas. That's really what my platform is here on the 30 girl podcast financial literacy and it sounds like you have it all together um so tell us how how did you get there sure so i think it starts i started from oh gosh okay do you want me to start from scholarships we talked a little bit about that offline yeah yeah okay. sure okay let's start about talk about that so i think i started and i learned about money hacking from a young age mm-hmm. when i was like 10 years old i decided that i was going to get full ride scholarships and my family thought i was a little bit crazy But I think kids have some kind of, they have that wisdom and sometimes they don't know what they don't know and they believe in themselves. So they make it happen. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to when I was in high school, I basically worked my tush off and I was able to get a full ride scholarship. I I wasn't, it wasn't something I knew existed even. So I, my plan was to try to be valedictorian. I didn't make it. I was fourth in my class, but my County actually happened to have full ride scholarships for the top 1% of graduating high school seniors. And I found that out a few months before I graduated. My counselor called me to my, to her office and I thought I was in trouble. I was <laughs> racking my brain of what did I do? <laughs> Who did I yell at or cuss out or something that I thought nobody knew about? Right. <laughs> and they, um, a bunch of other smart kids were in her office and she said, great, like you, as long as you keep your grades up for the rest of the year, you will get this fluoride scholarship to go to the local state school. And I was going to just end up going to a local community college. Um, that was going to be our plan to save money. Um, that my family's plan, but I got that for a scholarship. So I was able to do that. So that really helps when you don't have student loan debt, I think, mm-hmm. to build your net worth. And then again, my dad's work had a scholarship and you had to apply and write essays and get letters of recommendation. There were all these right. hoops you had to jump through. But I did that because it was like $2,000. And I was like, hey, if it takes me a couple hours to write an essay and get some letters and mail this in, 
and I can get two grand, that'd be a pretty good return on investment of my time. So I did that. I ended up getting that scholarship and I ended up getting a check in the mail in my name for $2,000. And I realized at that point that there's no secret like government entity that keeps track of all the money that you're getting and doesn't give you, like if you've already gotten a full ride scholarship, it won't give you more. That doesn't exist. So you can get as much, much as you free want. money as you want. Like if you, when you're a student, that's a huge opportunity to get free money because who doesn't want to help a student? And there's this perception of starving students and these people that need money, which you do. School is expensive. But if you can find these private scholarships, which aren't that difficult to find and apply for them and get them, which is a little bit harder, but not impossible then you can make money from going to school. And so that's what I did. I would say probably ten dollars to $20,000 in profit from going to school. Let me mention something because this might help your audience specifically. I ended up, I was a non-paid intern at a women's business center. It was a nonprofit. And I learned about this program called Individual Development Accounts. And so they have these in a lot of different states. I think it's through the federal government, but Uh it's for low-income people. And because I was a student and I was a non-paid intern at the time, I was considered low-income, even though, like, luckily I was living with my parents, so I didn't feel like I was low-income. Right. Um, But You were still able to benefit. Yeah, I was able to benefit from that program. And so basically, it's a savings account, but it will match 200%. So you save up to $2,000, and they'll match it 200%. So basically, you get four grand for free. Um, There are some things you have to do. So you have to take, I think it was like 10 to 12 classes, but they're actually great classes like on budgeting and money management. And that you do it. There's three goals you can do it for. So one, you have to be a student. That's the one I did it for. And then you get the money as long as you're a student and you do all the things they want you to do, you get the money and you can use the money however you want. Um, I think I take that back. It does have to be used for school, but let's say you need a new computer that counts as an expense. And if you need a new computer, but then you save that money on the computer, then you can use the money that you, you saved like your own money for eating out, buying clothes, whatever you want. You can Mm -hmm. also use it for housing because you're a student, you need somewhere to live, all those things. So free money, that's a great program. The other two goals, one of them is starting a business. So if you're low income and you want to start a business, that saving program will work. And then the other one is buying a house. Um, So that I did that program. That was how I got $4,000 for free. And that is easily replicable, I think, by a lot of people. So Mm -hmm. just Google it, individual development accounts in your state or your county and check that one out. But that was one way I got free money. Um, let's see. Then I ended up, I was able to buy a house. So I saved, I made money from school. I also worked part-time while I was in my bachelor's program. I was a server. So that helped make more than minimum wage. And I, again, was living at home. So I was able to save a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And then I, let's see. I also, server... I'm blanking. What else did I do? Um, okay. Then so I saved a lot of money. I was able to buy a house when the market was pretty low. So I living at home, getting extra scholarships, making money from school. I had quite a bit of money. So I had enough for a down payment of a house. And my boyfriend and I at the time looked at some houses and were able to find one that was a short sell at the bottom of the market. And so that we bought it for 255000 in Southern California, and now it's worth about four hundred and fifty. So we have wow. 200, about 200000 in equity um, it in that house. It almost <laughs> doubled. Yeah. yeah. So that's been really helpful. And I will say, too, like we haven't 
upgraded. So I have a son. Our house is 1,200 square feet, three bedroom, two bath. It's nothing huge, nothing fancy, Mm -hmm. but it's affordable. It was an investment more than It's an investment. Yeah. Yeah. And and I would love to get a bigger house, but it's so expensive in Southern California. And so I, and quite frankly, like we, our electric bill is low because we don't have to air condition a giant house. Our water, like all of our utility bills are pretty low because of the fact that we have a smaller home. Um, So that has helped keep our expenses down. And then we, I, so I started like you might think I'm this crazy high income earner and I think I make good money now and I'll share my numbers. I'm happy to. But when I first got out of school, I was only making around $30,000 a year mm-hmm. as full working full time. So that's not a huge income. And then I bought my house. I got a raise and was working at a different company, um, making about 40,000, but that's when I bought my house. So I wasn't making a huge amount of money when I bought the house and my husband made a little bit more Um, but not substantially more. And so it was pretty tight, quite frankly, when we first bought our house, it was a little bit more than we were paying for rent, though. And so we were like, you know what, we're probably going to make more money when we, you know, get older and get better jobs or get raises. So like, let's take this risk. Right. And now in hindsight, I almost wish we would have bought a bigger house that was a little (laughs) bit more of a stretch because it was there's the prices were so good at the time. But hindsight is 2020. And it could have gone the other way. Like in the recession, people bought huge houses, right? You still made out we still made out still made out perfectly good so I do want you to talk more about the scholarships Um, okay that's something that a lot of people don't even know that it's out there you talked a lot about free money Um, I know back when I applied for scholarship when I was going to college I did apply for scholarships I Mm -hmm. was writing essays and I did receive a lot of free money and I did also receive a ton of um, private offers right um, private lending offers so talk more about that and where can people now um I wouldn't know where to look for it (laughs) yeah yeah. so where could they find the free money now so I'm it's simple really if you go to just scholarships.com and it's Mm -hmm. kind of that's that does still exist (laughs) yeah I think so it's been a while since I've gone on but I'm pretty sure it exists but just I mean google scholarships and you'll find sites and some of them feel spammy spammy but you probably have to take a bunch of essays and skip a bunch of offers to join you know the coast guard or whatever yeah and then you get past all those and you'll have this list of a bunch of scholarships. And so that's that's one way. And that's good. There's a huge list of a lot of them, but a lot of them are nationwide. And so that is like there's going to be more competition. So you got to remember that. I would say look at your parents. Look at where. So I got one for my dad's work. If they have some kind of scholarship offering for children that work at that company, mm-hmm. there's less competition because there's less people working at one company than there are in the entire United States, right? So if the better you can increase your odds by finding these small pools where there's less competition, the better. And like I applied for bigger scholarships nationwide, and mm-hmm. I wish, in a way, I wish I applied for more. But I never, quite frankly, I never got any of them. The nonprofit that I ended up working at, that was my first job in a non-paid internship. The way I got that non-paid internship was at the scholarship ceremony where I won that award. Um, And so I actually found that scholarship on scholarships.com, surprisingly, Mm -hmm. but it was a very small, it was just through, I think it was through NALBO, so the National Association of Women Business Owners in Mm -hmm. my specific, like, county region in my area. So that was much more niche. And it was a smaller scholarship. It was like $1,200. But again, it wasn't that much time. And the competition, I think, was very slim because how many people like no one are aware of it, are looking for it, and then live in the county and meet all the requirements they had. So the tips from that, like just thinking through all the ones that I got, 
where do your parents work? What associations are they affiliated with? Whatever. Mm-hmm. So I studied entrepreneurship and business. So the National Association of Women Business Owners was looking for women that were studying business to get scholarships to. So what kind of associations could you, when you graduate, go join? Or could you as a student join? And do they have any scholarships that they're offering? A lot of them do. Um, they're not usually huge scholarships, but they exist. Um, the individual development program I mentioned, and then also your school. So whatever school you're going to go to the financial aid office and talk Mm -hmm. to people. And usually they like at my school, they just had one application that you filled out. And then that would, and maybe you did a couple essays and that would put you in the pool. A database. Yeah. For any scholarship. So there would be, you know, tons, hundreds of donors and every donor that's given in the past, you know, since the beginning of the university will probably have an endowment. And Mm -hmm. some of them are going to be for, you know, underwater basket weaving for people that are this income and, you know, they're, they're women and they're Hispanic or whatever. Like some of them are very niche and other of them are, are just like, okay, if you're studying business, then this one's for you. And Mm -hmm. so as long as you're in that pool, if you happen to meet those criteria, then they'll look at your essay. And if you get chosen, you get chosen. So every single year you like, you need to find out when the deadline is, write the essays, talk to the people to get those in. But that's another great way to get scholarships. And then just networking, like talking to faculty members. I, so I got my MBA paid for in full. And that was a new fellowship that they had created to try to encourage people to get their MBA there. And, Mm -hmm. um, that was the very new, it was a brand new program. And so I kind of, the nonprofit that I worked for was connected to the university. So I was then like the executive director of my program happened to be it with like very deeply involved on the scholarship committee. Mm -hmm. And he found out about it. And like, then I went and picked his brain. So I think be curious, ask questions. Um, When I, even when I got the scholarship through the National Association of Women Business Owners, afterwards I talked to the woman that was on the the committee that picked and I was like why did I get picked and she was like oh well you went above and beyond like when we only requested one letter of recommendation you wrote you had two and so things like that I was like oh that's a helpful tip so ask if you get something ask questions of why you got it and if you don't if if you have a relationship with those people you can ask that too like yeah you know they may or may not tell you but if you ask then you'll potentially have better information that will give you you know power for making decisions and doing things better the next time. Yes. Yes. And I love that. um, What you're discussing here on the podcast is a lot different from what we've talked about is um, a lot of people, including myself have significant um, student loan debt, you know, Mm -hmm. financial debt from income from one wanting to attend school. So I think now with entrepreneurship thriving the way it is, mm-hmm. people kind of feel scared, you know, to, to further their education. So I love that you're here to talk about how you can most certainly do that um, at zero cost if you, you know, exert yourself and dig for it and look for the free money that's out there. I know there are a lot of programs out here who will actually pay for you to join the program. I know you mentioned like underwater something, but <laughs> basket it, weaving. Yeah. yeah but <laughs> it really, joke, there yeah. really are scholarships <laughs> out here for people with good penmanship. Like you could, yeah, it's yeah. something as simple as writing your name. Um, There's a, yeah, you know, it's crazy. Let's, let's talk about that <laughs> a little bit. So I think the one thing that you could do, which I didn't do, but I like in hindsight, again, you learn a lot 
if you look on scholarships now, especially maybe you're a mom listening to this, and I know, Keisha, you have a 10-year-old daughter, so mm-hmm. this is actually the perfect time for her. Take a look at scholarships.com and look at all the random organizations, and maybe there's one for fencing or, like you said, penmanship or something like that. If your child may be interested in one of those things, like you could take a look now, which which ones are the biggest scholarships that seem like there might be low competition because it's mm-hmm. kind of this random world that your kid also might be somewhat interested in. Now's the time. Get them involved in that. Like they can start improving their penmanship or starting fencing or underwater basket weaving or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Like I think there's some scholarships for birding, like bird watching. That's so, crazy. Yeah, if you <laughs> can start understanding what those are and getting involved in networking with the people and ha- creating that as a passion or just something, a hobby that you you or your child are interested in, then when it's time for them to apply for scholarships, they have everything they need on the resume because they've been involved. Right. It's something that it's already in their makeup. They're used to it. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I love that. So let's talk more about the saving that you do for your family. Sure. Um, not only were you avid about having an amazing education. I know you have two MBAs, which hats off to you, girl. You are goals. You. <laughs> you are goals there. Um, but you, you've actually managed to save. And it seems like you've always had that saver bone in your body. Like, it's, I know you said you started from six, as, as early as six to saving your own money. And by 18, I think offline, we did talk that you had close to 20 grand in your 20s or early, you know, late teens. So let's talk about your so saving, saving and how, yeah, saving and how important it is. Sure. So I think I've always tried to reduce my costs. So when I was in college, a lot of people study, like they'll go out of state, which is more tuition. And then also mm-hmm. you have living expenses. I was went to a local state school. I lived at home. And then I also worked part-time. So a lot of people will focus on their education and not work. But then not only are they getting debt from tuition, but they're also getting debt for just living costs. Right. Um, and so you're going to pay for that later plus interest. So right. I... Or let's... I, I hate ahead. to stop you there, but not only are you... Um, going in debt from trying to live by not um, saving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're by you even trying to live, you're creating more debt for yourself. Exactly. If that makes sense, more bills, you know, trying to rent mortgage, forfeiting on a lot of things that you thought you needed to make to get by is what keeps you under. So yes, I do. That was a great point. Exactly. (laughs) So I worked when I was, in college. I worked starting when I was 16, when I was in high school, mm-hmm. and then I continued working through college. Um, so I s- had fluoride scholarships, so set that aside. I wasn't going into debt. And then on top of that, I was keeping my costs low. So that helps keep, you know, living at home with my parents, which I realized there's a certain amount of privilege there. Um, yeah. But that was helpful. And then I was, but I didn't take advantage of that and just sit, you know, rest on my laurels and go to school and have a great time while living off my parents. Like I was basically never home. I slept there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I ate there and every I was either doing school or I was working. Um, and then rather, I remember talking to one of my friends, like we were at the beach and she, I mentioned how much I had saved. It was a couple and maybe a couple thousand dollars when it was right out of high school. And she was like, I would go on a shopping spree. What are you doing? And I was like, <laughs> why? Like that, that's not an asset. I don't, it just didn't make sense to me. Like I never, I spent money and I would buy clothes and I loved fashion. So that was fun. But I I was shopping at Forever 21, not Nordstrom. Right. You know, and so I, I knew, so I studied entrepreneurship. I knew I wanted to either start a business, which I knew would cost money and or buy a house eventually. 
And so I was just putting money aside with those big goals. So I do think having a big goal in mind really helps you because otherwise you're like, I have this money. Why not spend it? Like I do enjoy spending money, but I think I like money on big things and it it takes time to do that. And so I would put it aside. I got, I explored, um, I did a certificate of deposit. So CD accounts and I did high yield savings accounts. Um, so that was the beginning. I think it's important to try to get your money working for you as much Mm -hmm. as you can. Now I invested in the stock market, you know, S&P 500 or on Vanguard, you can do VTSAX and then you're going to get more interest, keeping in mind that there is higher risk there. So if you have, don't have that much money and you want to protect it, put in a high yield savings account. Like I would Mm -hmm. go on bankrate.com and find something with a good interest rate. It's probably going to be one or 2% now, but that's better than Bank of America that will pay you like 0.01%. Right. Um, so get your money working for you and then just try to save, like reduce your expenses and save as much as possible. And so I like, that was the foundation that I set when I was young. And then I think I've just carried that on as I've gotten older. So, and I've, I've increased it. So when I was younger, I wasn't making much. So $30,000, I was saving a little bit and putting money aside, Mm -hmm. wasn't going into debt. But as I got raises, I would put more and more money aside. Um, So I was making around 30,000. Then I got up to 40,000. When I started working in higher education in 2015, I made Mm 60,000. That made life much more comfortable, but I still kept those habits. We didn't move to a bigger house. We had a fairly affordable mortgage. Um, I didn't have a kid. We love to travel, but we use points and miles. So we keep that pretty low. And then um, we use YNAB, so you need a budget, and we budget every month, which a lot of people don't do, but I know what my expenses are pretty much down to the penny, and I know my net penny. And again, having a big goal, my big goal is to retire by the time I'm 40, mm-hmm. if not sooner. And specifically, we want to have $2 million, so we have about, um, if you use the 4% rule, we have about uh, 80000 a year to live on, hopefully in perpetuity, just depending on how the market does. So. Yeah, we save, I love it. <laughs> yeah, we save about between 40 and 50% of our income a year. And so I was making 60,000 about I think in 2016 or 17 I got a raise to 80,000. That was a huge bump, but we pretty much ended up saving all of that. And then my husband has been getting raises and he saves a lot of his mm-hmm. income as well. So I think that's another important point that we didn't mention. Be careful who you marry. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you marry somebody that is ambitious and you're ambitious as well, like you can work together Absolutely. and really create something powerful. But it it's makes important. a hell of a difference. Oh, yeah. Sure. And it's important to have those money conversations and talk about big financial goals. Um, and we're on the same page with that. And so we know we both want to at least have the option to retire. We may or may not, but like saving is important to us. So sometimes I imagine a world where we're not doing this and I'm like, what, how would our life be different? And it's like, well, we'd probably have like a 800 to a million dollar house and the mortgage that goes with it. And maybe we'd be driving Mercedes um, and eating out more often, but then that doesn't excite me like retiring early and going to live in Thailand or travel the world with my my son, my husband, that excites me. And so I think it's just questioning what everyone else is doing and questioning whether or not you want that and if that will truly make you happy right. or if there's another path that maybe is less expensive that will bring you just as much, if not more joy. Um, and then figuring out a way to do it and then doing it. Like yeah. that's what I did with scholarships. I was like, I'm going to make this happen. And then I did. And that gave me the confidence to now when I have this big goal of retiring early, I'm like, yeah, it's possible. And I figured it out and we're on the path. Yes, I love it. And you do have a ton of resources 
um, all over your social media. So I do want you to inform the listeners where they can find you. Yeah. So my blog is moneyhackingmama.com. I post, I'm probably most active on Instagram. I post funny memes and things like that, but then I'll also update people on my blog posts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have my link to my blog um, on my Instagram. My Instagram is just at moneyhackingmama.com. But some of my um, popular blog posts, I have one that talks about the seven simple budgeting tips that we used to save over half a million dollars. And they're simple. Um, and I think they're pretty easy, but sometimes habit change isn't that easy. So that one is pretty fun. But it's literally like I, one night I had a glass of wine and I looked at my yearly expenses and most people don't do that. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I really figured out where all my money was going. And then I looked at where I could make cuts to make changes to get my. Yes. And with the new year coming uh, fastly approaching, um, that wouldn't be a bad idea for anyone listening. Sit down. And take your last paycheck and figure out what your yearly expenses is. Expenses. I can't even talk this today. (laughs) It's Friday. Yeah, (laughs) right. Exactly. What your yearly expenses are and figure out where where you can make cuts. 2020 is around the corner. And yeah, no time for games. (laughs) I think... And when, like the num- number one step, because people always think budgeting, making cuts, they think it's such a bad thing. But really, it's about the number one thing you need to do is figure out your goal. What is your dream? Like, what do you want your life to look like? And then are your spin is your spending in alignment with your goals and dreams? Right. And so that will motivate you. Because if I just say like, yeah, oh, that, you know, you want to, you want to save money, like you need to make a bunch of cuts, like nobody wants to do that. It's like, no, I really would I get more happiness from drinking my coffee from Starbucks in the morning. And so I'm not going to tell you to cut that. But I will say like, well, do you want to travel to Europe? Maybe you want to go to the Eiffel Tower? Or do you want to, you know, eat coffee and crepes every day? And so maybe if you ate, you can cut the coffee and crepes every day. But in a year from now, you can literally eat coffee and crepes in Paris you know, and it's your decision. Personal finance is personal. So you get to choose which one is more important to you and which one you want to do. But like making that choice con- consciously and then making decisions about your money in alignment with that. That's mm-hmm. what it's all about. Yes. And I try to stress this to um, all of my listeners. <laughs> I hate to get all spiritual with everyone every time, but um, manifesting what you want. That stuff is so real. Mm-hmm. I know like, going back to you speaking um, your education into existence and then speaking your, you know, your money goals into existence. That was powerful. Yep. And in even how you went about, went about obtaining those things. So yes, take the time. I know you do have a free budget course. Yeah. Available. So if you just go to my website, if you read any blog posts or just go to the homepage at the very top, there's an opt-in. Um, and so you drop your email in and you, you'll get a free, um, Excel. It's an Excel sheet, but it's multiple, um, basically pages of Excel. And then there's a bunch of, it's a budgeting basically document. And then there's steps within those. And it basically, if you match that with the blog post I talked about, you'll really have the tips and all the tools that I talked about and that I've done to get me to where the point I am today. And then DM me, like send me an email. My email is just mama at moneyhackingmama.com. You can DM me on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. And we can, if you have questions, just let me know. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm also learning that the more financial literate that I've be- I'm becoming, um, I'm learning that having money, tangible money 
um, available to you is more behavioral than it is anything. Mm-hmm. So if you change your behaviors, it'll come to you. Oh yeah. Or you'll find ways. It'll. It's just in your hands. <laughs> yeah, and it's just so, yeah. compounding interest and everything is so powerful. And I think the more you save and can put money aside, then money really starts working for you. I think right. if you're in debt, you see the opposite of that. That you know, every month you might be going more and more into debt, but that there's, mm-hmm. there's another side to that. And it, once you can get on that, it's so powerful. And just think that, you know, somebody's profiting from, if you're in debt, somebody's profiting from that. And so you can get on the other side and you can be the person profiting, hopefully not from other people's debt, but you can be, you know, own little pieces of other businesses and you can start to get interest and really watch your money grow without you having to do much work. You just let it sit there. Right. And I do want to just, dis- not, I don't want to discourage any of my listeners with having money hacking mama on who's close to hitting that million target for her family. But, um, the foundation is very, very important. That's why, um, I promote financial literacy for my communities because that the foundation that you lay for your family is what's going to set them up for success. I do want you, before we get off to explain to them how, even though, you did grow up in a two-parent household. Your parents were financially stable. Um, you really didn't have to worry about college and fight the way, I hate to say fight, but, you know, go through mm-hmm. it, go at it the way that you did. But you um, took your own initiative. You still did, still did it on your own. And I want people to know that it's attainable on your own. It's all in how much you want it. Yeah, I think it's like, like I said, I set a goal when I was 10 years old. So my my sister is seven years older than me. Mm -hmm. And so she was, my parents were talking about, look, this is, you know, we're not rich, we're going to help you pay for college to my sister, but we're going to have to do it the pick and save way, which I think is a great option. So they were saying, you're going to go to a community college for two years, and then you'll Mm -hmm. transfer to a four year college. And my sister was a little frustrated by that. And so I saw that happening. And it just, you know, wanting to make my parents happy. I said, you know what, mommy, don't worry, I'll just get full ride scholarships. So I spoke it into existence. Um, She didn't think it was possible. And she just kind of patted me on the head and said, Okay, sweetie. But then when I was in middle school, I had a math teacher say, you know, we have this advanced math class that I think you'd be good at. Can we, you know, it's your decision, but can we put you in it? And I, she kind of sold me on it because she mentioned that when I was in high school, I'd be in advanced classes and I could take AP classes, which would Mm -hmm. get me college credit. And basically it's an $80 test that if you pass, you get four units of college credit, which I knew was expensive. So I said, absolutely sign me up. Um, and that, then I took AP classes. So not only did I get full ride scholarships, but when I was in high school, I was already getting credit for college. So that even saved more money, which helped me, you know, get extra money when I was in college because I didn't have to take those extra courses. Mm-hmm. Um, but then my dad, when I was a freshman in high school, I was struggling a little bit in some of my classes before a test and I studied hard and I ended up getting an A. And so at dinner, my dad said, you know, you could probably be valedictorian if you keep it up. And I was just like, I never thought of that, but I know valedictorians get full ride scholarships. So I think having that big goal in your mind, Mm -hmm. opportunities will present themselves. And if you didn't have that big goal, you wouldn't think anything about it. But because you have that big goal, when that opportunity presents itself, it clicks. And then you're like, oh, that's a next step I can take. So then my next step was to try to be valedictorian. I worked my butt off, but there were kids smarter and that worked harder than I did that got valedictorian and I ended up being fourth in my class. But I think, as I mentioned earlier, they, as luck would have it, um, they had a full ride scholarship for the top 1%. So the top 10, because we were a big class 
the top 10 kids in my class got full rides to a local state school. And that's what I ended up doing. So I think like they say, luck favors the Mm well-prepared. I love that quote. And I love that if you shoot for the moon, um, if you fall, at least you land amongst the stars. So I was shooting for the moon. Yeah, I was shooting (laughs) for the moon. I wanted to be valedictorian. I didn't make it, but there was still a lot there for me that I was able to um, take advantage of. And so I think that's I don't know if I can leave somebody with that message. I think, you know, just have a big goal and work towards it. And the the next step usually will present itself. Absolutely. You open one door, the next the next door is there waiting for you. And if not yeah. a door, a window, something. Something. Yeah, figure <laughs> yeah. it out. Yep. <laughs> I thank you so much, Rachel, for joining us here on the 30 Girl Podcast. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. We will talk offline. Um, we are number nerds together. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I can't wait to learn more from you. And anyone who's looking to contact Money Hacking Mama, follow her on Instagram. She is a great follow. She is um, very personable. If you have any questions or thinking about going to school, want to do it the freeway, have DM her, check out her blogs, whatever you need to, or talk to me. Follow me at the 30 girl on Instagram and Facebook. And Yes. Again, um, Rachel, go ahead and give them your social media handles so they know exactly where to follow you. So on Instagram, I'm at at, at moneyhackingmama.com. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Twitter is just uh, moneyhackingmom because I ran out of words that I could use or letters. <laughs> um, um, but I'm most active on Instagram, so I'd highly recommend you follow me there. First off, I just want to give a big shout out to the FinCon team for one, you know, approving your girl, Keisha Joe and the podcast to be on the list among many other amazing influential uh, finance podcasters. Thank you so much. Uh, the person who I'm interviewing tonight, Rachel, also known as the Money Hacking Mama, she found me on the website and I just thought that was so great that... Um, People are actually browsing through the web, the podcasters list on the FinCon site and listening to the podcast and subscribing and leaving great feedback and even reaching out to me and and being a guest. So the whole process, just knowing everything from A to Z now that we've talked, um, just feels really, really good. So I'm sure there are many other 30 Girl Podcast lovers out there. Please feel free to reach out to me. Please feel free to comment, like, share, subscribe. If you would like to be on a guest, um, email me or visit the site. There's a quick little form you can fill out there. Um, But yes, thank you so much for all of the FinCon listeners, all of the finance nerds like myself. I always say I'm a numbers girl. People really don't get it when I say it. I guess my FinCon people understand. So thank you so much. Let's get into this episode. Oh, 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 before you go really quick, I just want you all to know that I am having a Black Friday sale um, for the credit repair business. If you are interested in getting your life in order, honey, please hit me up. Um, It is the clock is ticking. 2020 is literally two blinks away. And I don't know about you, but I'm trying to be on cloud nine, drinking some wine, having a good time, right? (laughs) Get your life together, get your credit in order, get your finances together. Hit me up. 
Of course, after listening to the episode, hit up Money Hacker Mama for any financial tips that you may need. The credit repair special is $99 for the first month. That includes your um, credit consultation as well as your first month, um, first round disputes and or updates. Don't forget www.30girl.org. Thank you for listening.